Welcome to the OMR podcast. My name is Philipp Westermeier. I am the founder of OMR. And here on the OMR podcast, we talk to interesting people from the digital marketing and tech industry to get their stories in their own words. This week, my colleague Heidi, who has a very German name but is actually American, she sat down with Ryan Leslie, a Grammy-nominated recording artist and tech entrepreneur. Ryan Leslie founded Uh, startups such as Superphone um, and has an incredible career in business and music and they talked about that and much much more listen and enjoy Ryan Leslie is both a Grammy nominated R&B artist and a tech entrepreneur in 2014 he founded Superphone which has been described as the sales force for texting a way to connect with an audience or a customer base uh, directly in meaningful ways Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Heidi. Uh, so you have a very unique story. You scored a perfect 1600 on the SATs, which is unheard of, graduated from Harvard at 19, and then went into the music industry, which is somewhat counterintuitive. Um, you said in those early days you actually had to kind of steal food to survive or living in a garage. So um, how you know? tell us about that process of... Uh, why you decided to go to college when your passion was music and then also you know how long were you struggling before things started to happen for you really felt like okay I have a future in this yeah I decided to go to college because my parents believed that college was the pathway to the achievement of the American dream and I believe honestly in the 80s and 90s college really was the pathway to the achievement of the American dream I believe in the information age now, when an eight-year-old kid has more access to information than Bill Clinton did when he was in office, that uh, there needs to be a revolution and uh, a re-engineering of how education actually works. But back then, college was the way to do it. And um, it, it worked pretty well uh, because my dad was very happy. I went to Harvard. <laughs> he has a diploma on his wall. Yeah. And um, music, honestly, music... Even today, many people look at music and they think of music as a long shot, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a long shot. Yes, yeah, hit driven. It's a long shot, mm-hmm. and so I think my parents, in order to protect me from the personal and financial risk that was associated with pursuing a career in music, they said, "Hey, look, you got to do education. You get a Harvard degree, at least you can get a job, right?" And so that's what I did, and. Uh, but my job always, um, my job is to be happy. That's what I believe. And so I found my happiness from, from doing music. And now I'm finding a great deal of joy and satisfaction from doing technology and, and building the platform that, that I'm building at Superphone. And so I think from, from, from that standpoint, um, I think from that standpoint, yes, it, it did take a while for the passion to become my profession. And you asked, you know, what was the moment that I knew that this was going to be something real? Well, it was always something real. And the moment when I started to generate enough income to sustain myself is the moment I realized that this could be a profession. Mm -hmm. And being a hustler, because I've always, I guess, just come from a place where, you know, I need to make, I need to make whatever it is that I dream happen in order to survive. Mm -hmm. When you add that to a 
model that's already working and making money, then you start to accelerate the generation of revenue. And so I was able to go from literally homeless one year to, you know, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars in revenue my first year in the music business to, you know, literally millions of dollars being made. And so at that juncture, you know, you can say, okay, I, I can make a living doing this. I can and, live. And you started out, uh, did you start out mainly doing music producing? Yes. How did you make that transition to being a performer yourself, of building your own brand? Right. Your own music? Right. Well, I was always a performer, and getting paid to be a performer is different, right? So at, at the very beginning, people who were already established artists, they needed music so that they could continue their artistic legacies they needed a new single they had a new album they already had a great deal of investment that had um been put into their brands to that point and they needed to uh, continue that story mm -hmm. and so my music was very easy you just put a nice beat in there you put a great single and then next thing you know new edition is now reactivated in the marketplace i think really the advent of social media was what allowed me to make the transition from behind the boards to uh, front and center on stage and that was because i could actually just in the same way that everyone can today i could actually just put my music put my art put my message on social and and uh, it would be discovered by the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of that, I didn't have to wait for a record company to sign me or wait for, even once the record company signed me, I didn't have to wait to put the records out. I literally could take advantage of this information superhighway and be in front of folks. I mean, I actually was at one time on the list of most subscribed YouTube channels of all time, but that's because there were only, you know, a handful of YouTube creators, right? And so that's how early I was on the YouTube yeah. wave. And I've been pretty early in most social platform waves. And what I realized is because of all of the, how should I say, volatility, if you will, of the social platforms and the need to, to communicate natively in each one of these social platforms, it was creating a lot more work than just creating music mm -hmm. and that's was one of the main inspirations behind superphone and and the and the music industry itself has changed a lot i mean it seems like the labels used to control everything the distribution the right. the relationship with the fans right and that's kind of been disaggregated now where yes. you can have that more direct relationship do you feel like the labels still have a role to play yes of course of course i mean i believe the economics can and will definitely change. I believe that uh, it will likely make more sense to have more of a venture approach to an artist's career mm -hmm. than the traditional contracts that they have been signing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm not building that startup, but I believe, you know, that's a startup that will be built. And I'm watching other music platforms start to actually win investment dollars for non-traditional ways of approaching the music business. Who do, you, who do you feel like people should keep an eye on? Uh, there's a company that, that uh, just closed around a financing. I think they raised uh, 15 million bucks. And uh, they're interested in, in, they are interested in, I guess, re-engineering the, re-engineering the way that, that people uh, discover 
artists and how they're signed and, and, and the company's called Amuse. They just raised $15 million in their Series A. And so, and then there's also, Did you know, I am waiting to have a meeting with the founders. So this is, this maybe they hear this and they, and they, yeah. and they reach out, send me a text or something. So, yeah, I mean, um, that's, that's one. Uh, I like STEM. I like, uh, my buddy Phil Kaplan has a distribution company called DistroKid. Um, let's see. Uh, another friend of mine has a, has a platform called United Masters that just raised $70 million uh, from Alphabet. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that there are some forays into this space that, that will definitely disrupt and revolutionize the space. And I have my eye on it. I mean, for me, though, I really have to be focused on making the impact that I want to make at Superphone. And so that, that requires intense laser focus. And so while I am observing and you know kind of investing and letting other great founders solve those challenges i'm really really focused on solving the challenge of communication and the speed of communication and accelerating that speed so about superphone yeah it'd be great if you for those who aren't familiar with the platform if you can explain a little bit more about how it works what the genesis was for the idea i'm actually really curious did if you had if you were familiar or a fan of kevin kelly's yes 1000 true fans yes theory, yes it yes seems very similar yes to that theory yes so in the very beginning i guess the genesis of superphone Yes, the idea was like, hey, if I could actually have a phone number on a thousand people who all gave me a hundred bucks, I'd make a hundred thousand dollars a year. And that hundred bucks could happen from an album, it could happen from merch, it could happen from a ticket. So the ticket is forty five bucks and the hoodie is is fifty bucks and the album is ten bucks, then there I have it, that's my hundred bucks. I had a thousand people, that's a hundred thousand bucks. Now the challenge with being a creative is that you know to make avatar you need a hundred million dollars right so if you want to make if you're james cameron you want to make titanic or avatar a thousand true fans is not going to make that movie yeah <laughs> if they're all just giving you a hundred bucks now the difference though is that one or two or five true fans could actually underwrite that entire film and so for me i i'm less concerned with the number uh, and more concerned with the quality. And the quality of the, the when I say the quality, it's more the quality of uh, several different characteristics. And I think this, this extends across many verticals. So uh, quality is first uh, someone's capacity and resources. And that capacity and resources is both time and money. Right. So um, let's just say that uh, let, let, let's just say that uh, on a personal romance level. Right. I'm, I, I would like to have a date with an amazing person. They a have to have the time that they could actually spend on this date and b they need enough resources that they can get to. Wherever, wherever the date is, or I have to have enough resources to send them a car or whatever it is, right? But there needs to be a time exchange, and that time exchange is what's super valuable. And, and when a I'm priority for them. Yes, it has to be a priority for them. <laughs> and, I mean, when you think about it, like, my parents are still married after, you know, 41 years. Wow. And, um, you know, they basically chose that they would be the unit that would, A, uh, help one another and B, raise the family that they've raised. And so you can't do that with a thousand people. You do that with one person, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you do it with one person at a time. And I mean, I guess there are some outliers to that, but generally you do that with one yeah. person at a time. And so 
I'm interested in helping people find the one person in every vertical in their life that is going to be that partner that they really work with. Now, you find a life partner, you can find a photography partner, you can find a design partner, you can find an investment partner, you can find uh, you know, a business partner, you can find an advertising partner, you can find a communications partner, and you're going to need to find that one person. And the way you do that is uh, by basically having some insight on your most important daily human activity, which is communication. And so if you're a big brand, you're communicating at scale, uh, and uh, your consumers aren't necessarily your partners. They are consuming the value that you create. But in order to create the greatest value, you need to find the greatest partners. And so we are more concerned with helping people find their greatest partners. And that means that those partners are people that they have an, an incredible depth of understanding and that incredible depth of understanding between the needs of both partners is built based on communication. And we'd like to accelerate the communication as quickly as possible. And then, so on a practical level, how does Superphone work? Sure. On a practical level, the way the Superphone works is it, it, is, uh, it can be explained as Gmail or Outlook for text. So in the same way that uh, you have folders, you have the ability to mark read and unread, the ability to potentially uh, have an away message, all of the beautiful tools and organizational features that you have around email, which don't exist for text, we provide them for text. So um, the fact that I can have 80,000 conversations in my text feed, the fact that I can tell my phone, just show me conversations with investors and filter out all the other ones, mm -hmm. just show me conversations with photographers and filter out all the other ones, just show me conversations with family and filter out all the other ones, just show me conversations with family that lives in Amsterdam because I just landed here and filter out everything else so that I can be more intentional with, our, with my most important resource, my most valuable resource which is time because right now if I were to ask you hey show me the conversations that you're having in iMessage or whatever your text message thread show me the conversations that you're having with people who are at the next web um, that you met in the last 24 hours you would have a lot of manual work to actually you know illustrate that to me and so Superphone just takes all of that manual work out and automates this so that you have more time to focus on what's most important, which is A, being as creative as possible around solving impro impossible problems, and B, connecting with people and the people that matter the most. So you're, you're aggregating all the communication and then giving you tools to actually have insights and, and to analyze that, that communication. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't even know if people are really even doing that on email. Right? But I know that at the very beginning, at, the, at a basic level, you need folders. right? So it's in Superphone, tags serve as our folders. So you can tag everyone who's an investor. You can tag everyone who's a photographer. Tag everyone who's a marketer. Tag everyone who's a CEO. So your conversations, not just your contacts, but your conversations are organized better so that you can get to the right person with the right resources at the right time as quickly as possible so you can accelerate success. And... It also, for, for artists like you, it, it provides a way to, uh, to establish direct contact with yes. your fan base. Right? Yes. That it's not controlled by all the dif disparate yes. uh, social networks where you don't have that direct contact 
to be able to communicate with them? Yeah, so it works just as well for an artist as it works for an entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is, as an artist, if all of your social relationships are managed by Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, you don't own that. The platform owns it. But if you're an entrepreneur and all of your relationships are managed by LinkedIn, you don't own that. The platform owns it. And so when you have a cell phone number on everyone, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're an artist, you own the relationship. And then in addition to owning the relationship, you have that direct line of communication. I think it's interesting that you decide to link it to a cell phone instead of, say, your super phone handle. Yes. Or something like that. What yes. was the decision behind that? Well, I wanted people to just be able to connect with me through a native protocol that was outside of downloading another app. So people don't have to have super phone to talk to my super phone. They just need to have a phone, (laughs) right? So none of my fans or none of the people that I meet have to download something in order to speak to me. Now, that's obviously possible. When you look at the ubiquity of WhatsApp, it's obviously possible. Hey, download WhatsApp so we can talk on WhatsApp. And, you know, potentially we could get there in the future. But for right now... I'm just interested in giving the organizational tools to people who actually want those organizational tools. And for everyone else, they can just use their regular cell number. And so I understand you actually taught yourself to code via Code Academy and then coded the first version of the software. Yes, I did. So where did you find the time to just learn how to code? I believe it. (laughs) I I believe uh, beyond finding time, you can just make time. Yeah. And so... Yeah, of course, there were likely other music priorities that I could have focused my time on. I just made the time to learn how to code because I believe in the value that uh, more intelligent and and more efficient messaging can give to the world. And so once I understood that purpose, I understood the magnitude of the impact that it could have, then it was my responsibility to find that time and not just not not just find the time, but actually make the time. And I believe when we have initiatives about which we're passionate, we have to make the time. And that's the beauty is that, uh, you know, we can actually make the time. Well, it says something about you also that you did it yourself rather than just finding some money to contract it out to uh, the yeah. you know, established coder or something like that. So. Right. Well, I would say this also. I mean, I, w- I really wanted to solve this issue as quickly as possible. And I had a very keen interest in learning whether or not I could solve it myself. And uh, the reason why a coder was not in the picture at that time is just because I didn't know any. Yeah. Right? So, I mean... I think think you have a lot of uh, opportunities now. Yeah, a lot of opportunities (laughs) now. But, I mean, listen, you know, success happens at the speed of communication. And so I could communicate my need to the computer. Yeah. I could communicate my need to Code Academy. In order to communicate my need and communicate my vision to a programmer, I believe it would have created an additional step. And, I mean, now we're, you know, we're a fully funded, you Mm -hmm. know, 20-person-plus startup and I have to communicate my ideas and my vision to a team of, of professional developers. In those early days, I, I really a got a great deal of joy and satisfaction from seeing success happen that I was able to create, mm-hmm. and also seeing the technology work uh, without "quote unquote" wasting anyone else's time or money. 
it's a it's a great story. So you, um, after the initial development, then you did raise some seed funding from yes. some investors. Yes. Um, with some pretty big names like Ben Horowitz of Andreessen Horowitz. Yes. Also working with BetaWorks. Yes. In New York, um, how did you think about that? Of whether to take the money. Um, or who to work with rather than just like bootstrapping it yourself? Yes. I would say based on my cap table, we've, we've got more than 68 investors and we've raised, yeah, yeah. We've raised, we've raised uh <laughs> five and a half million dollars across those 68 investors. And I mean, outside of a tool like Superphone that actually allows me to have it, have it, deeper relationship than just email with all of them it would it would be a lot to manage superphone makes it very very easy for me to just press a button and text 68 people hey here's our investor update so i think that uh the platform that i'm building is actually validating itself yeah. uh, as i use it more and more but yeah i think how i made the decision was look um money can accelerate the time that it takes to build and have an impact. And so I, I took that I took that investment so that I could accelerate that time. Because obviously I could go and work on something else, like doing shows to make another five and a half million to put into Superphone. Or I could take the money out of my bank account and do it. Uh, but I believe that uh, in addition to the money, having the connections, having the networks of those investors who have a vested interest in seeing this be successful, we could also accelerate the, the progress of the venture. Yeah, so, so four years in now, yes. is there anything you would, you would do differently if you were starting today, now that you've learned so much through this process? I really feel like the market is only just now starting to congeal around the value proposition, so I think the timing's been great up to this point. Mm -hmm. um, so right now you're pricing model is a flat monthly fee that you charge for an account. Um, did you consider other models like taking a percentage of any revenue or, mm -hmm. or advertising models? Mm -hmm. How did you decide on that? Yeah. I mean, eventually I believe that, uh, that Superphone should just be free for everyone. Mm -hmm. Right. In the meantime, though, you, you got to make some money, you got to pay the bills and uh, you need to show some ROI. And so our pricing model uh, starts with the flat fee, but really it's a, it's a variable pricing model. It's 10 cents a month per person that you're talking to. If you're talking to 200 people, it's 20 bucks a month. If you're talking to 2,000 people, it's 200 bucks. And I think there are many great factors around pricing that way because you should, you should, you should A, invest in ownership, Right, mm -hmm. and B, you should make sure that the people that you're in, the, in that are in your phone, you actually matter enough to you to spend a dollar twenty a year on. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, we do have all the other, we do have all the other trappings of uh, a commerce platform. So we do take a commission on sales that we actually drive through the platform. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we charge obviously a premium on, on, on the messaging. So we, we use Twilio as our platform for message delivery and for the added value and the infrastructure and the platform that we've built, we, we have a variable cost for the messaging as well. What, what has been your most successful model for, uh, signing up users for user acquisition thus far? <laughs> 
So I have a I I was very fortunate to have a large social following. So whenever we do an interview like this one, whenever we do a when someone does a piece on us, I just have my phone number there. Or now I use textryan.com, so I have a URL. So go to textryan.com, send me a text, or leave your number. And if you're interested in having a Superphone account, uh, our system plus uh, our elves in the back end will make sure that you get your account. But yeah, that inbound strategy has been really powerful. So are there any particular people uh, or types of people in Germany that you would be interested, particularly interested in, in, in talking with and working with? Yeah, absolutely. Deutsche Telekom, for sure, right? Um, I believe, like I said, that uh, you're, as we move also into 5G um, and load speeds are going to be shorter in terms of even latency on phone calls and video calls, that... Uh, a framework for organizing all of the communication that you're having is going to be paramount. And so all of the telecom providers, I'm interested in, in putting this kind of intelligence in everyone's messaging experience. And so whether it's uh, Vodafone, whether it's uh, Deutsche Telekom, whoever it is, I'm interested in speaking to them just to understand what their product roadmap is as well uh, and their, what their ideas are about providing this kind of value to everyone who's messaging mm -hmm. every day mm -hmm. on their platform. And, and so right now, what is your customer mix between kind of individual long-tail users versus, I know you had, I think, a deal with Atlantic Records yes. to work with their artists. Yes. Um, what's been the most uh, fruitful for you? Right. I, I look more at what's been the most fruitful for our users and so there, there are a few different buckets where this works. The first is uh, communication at scale over SMS. That's an easy one. So we have folks like Gary V, who's running first in line, uh, a messaging platform, Facebook and text messaging platform, where he delivers messages to his audience there before social. So you get a text from him or a Facebook message from him first before social. Uh, that works extremely well. We have another company called Blue Fever that distributes all of their content updates. So every other day, they'll send a video link out, and they're using our platform to do this over SMS. We have a customer like WellWell, which is allowing uh, conversational commerce. So you could text the watermelon emoji to WellWell, and uh, you can actually pay for your your delivery and uh, it's a it's a watermelon emoji and the rest is all taken care of, right? So we have that. And then we also have the retail sales persona. So if you're working at a high-end luxury retail outlet right now to be a great salesperson, it's very likely that you're on text or you have a cell phone number on your customers, but your actual company does not. And so for us, what we do is we enable the companies to actually put a tool in the hands of every salesperson and that tool will actually track um, how many people they're meeting. It will allow them to automate birthday and holiday offers and sales. It will allow them to have uh, quick replies. It will allow them to send photos of merchandise. And it will allow them to uh, actually be a better salesperson in general. And it's scalable. So we could roll this out to you know 10 or 20,000 Best Buy salespeople or Home, Home Depot salespeople and for the first time, Best Buy or Home Depot would actually know 
what's actually happening on text because it's happening, mm -hmm. but right now they don't have any transparency into it. And so a question I have related to that is, you know, I can understand with uh, fans wanting to have a personal connection with, say, a celebrity or someone they really admire. Um, how do you think about that for brands like a Best Buy of, are people willing you know, to give their cell phone number over in the same way to yeah. the brand? So I think it's really important uh, that you make that dis distinction. With a company like Best Buy, we would we would be deploying Superphone to their sales teams. So yeah, so if John works at Best Buy and he's an expert in Apple computers, and you met him at the store, then you're not going to feel any type of way of saying, "Hey, John, you know, here's my number. Text me if you have any deals or specials, or if you have any cool stuff that's coming out." And so that's the way that you really get to that scalable conversation inside of a brand or a retail chain is that uh, their only way to compete with Amazon on pricing is to give better service. The only way you give better service is you got to be timely, you got to be responsive, you have to be an expert, and you got to be trustworthy. So when you're an expert, you're trustworthy, you're timely, and you're responsive, then someone may actually forego doing all of the research on Amazon and price comparing and just call their guy or their girl who's the salesperson at Best Buy. So the way that we deploy into Best Buy is we would deploy across the entire sales force, the retail sales floor. Every professional would have a, have a Superphone, maybe they have 100 uh, or 200 people in there, but 200 people across 10,000 salespeople is 2 million people, customers of Best Buy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that kind of pers establishing a more personal connection um, is really compelling, particularly yes. with a lot of uh, bricks and mortar sh uh, shops are facing this Amazon threat. So right. that's um, a really interesting angle. Um, so sh shifting a little bit to your artist side. Sure. So because you're kind of juggling <laughs> two full-time jobs at the same time. Right. Um, I have to say, if you follow your Instagram feed, right. you're constantly on the move. Yes. You're, you're flying everywhere to right. perform, yes. to talk about Superphone yes. also. Yes. And then documenting it all on video. Yes. Um, so where do you get your energy? Yes. <laughs> um, like, how do you keep up this intense pace? It's, right. You know, it's kind of running a marathon at a sprint pace. Yes. Well, you keep it up based on uh, how you want to serve, you know, and, and at what level you want to serve mm -hmm. and at what level you want to impact. And I want to impact at the highest level. I, I would love, I have a dream. Uh, I'd love to dream the impossible dream that everyone can get closer to success faster by communicating more efficiently and the mm -hmm. tools that we're currently provided the reason why it takes us so long to close deals the reason why it takes us so long to close partnerships is because there is an inherent efficiency in our communication and so when you can apply date the same way that all the biggest companies are applying data data sets we should be able to apply that same kind of insight to our own personal data sets and right now uh, being devoid of that is keeping a lot of great very creative, very uh, uh, valuable ideas uh, and people from actually achieving the success that they want to achieve. And so it's my crusade, it's my marathon to run at a sprint pace to do whatever I can to get this concept to as many people as possible because 
I believe that, yeah, my concept is to get Superphone uh, to to as many people as possible. Someone else's concept. Uh, we were watching the we were watching the uh, the the startup pitches yesterday. Someone else's concept is to eradicate mm-hmm. homelessness. Mm-hmm. Another person's concept is to uh, to 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 fix the water crisis. All of these challenges and obstacles that we're looking to overcome are only going to be overcome when the right teams are put together around these ideas and the right money is raised. And so uh, that is the inspiration behind and working. So every the day level. are you taking ginger shots, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a full bag of supplements? And, or do you work seven days a week? Or? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And no burnout. No burnout. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm literally supercharged around this idea i mean it's amazing the the level of passion that you're able to sustain yeah well i mean listen you know for music it's it's um it was almost i think in hindsight very very selfish right so i I started to do music because you know the girls at college like the singer or the rapper right and then uh you know then you wanted to make some money so you got some money and then you wanted to you know feel the the dopamine that happens from getting all the followers and then you're on stage and the rush and the adrenaline of all of that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at some point, at some point you realize that you wish you could bottle that up and give it to everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, because I, I, once I started to allow these conversations to come in my phone, I could hear the stories of people that, you know, they, 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 for whatever reason, maybe they, they were still looking to find their passion or they had a great idea, but they just didn't know the right people to talk to or they couldn't find investors. And so I said, look, you know, I'd love to just be able to give this to everyone. And so that's, 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 that's why it, uh, it's like an un, uh, it's an unwavering flame that, uh, you know, can't be doused. Yeah. <laughs> and and you're so you're constantly uh, also documenting everything with video yes um do you ever feel included like, this <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> do you ever feel like uh you've lost your privacy do you ever feel like you need to take a step back or you just i mean yeah i've i've been documenting my life since 2003 I have now probably more than 75 terabytes of video footage. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it's great to share. It's great to share. It's great to have. And the fact that we can, why not, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, I don't share everything. I mean, and actually, I don't think anyone even has time to consume everything, right? Yeah. We're all living 24 hours a day. We're not all posting 24 hours of content daily on a stream, right? right? I mean, I guess there are some people who have tried, right? Mm -hmm. But even still, if someone tried, I wouldn't sit and consume someone else's life for 24 hours. We have to live our own lives. I think that uh, the ability to actually take the the gems and the great moments uh, that that, uh, illustrate how really similar we are as humans... I think that's important because they serve as daily reminders to the challenges that uh, that are common to all of us, and hopefully it inspires folks to actually want to overcome those challenges so that we can focus on challenges in the future that we uh, anticipate but are still vague about the details. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so one other question, sure. just a, a novel question. So I, I noticed in one of your, your um, the video for your song, New New, mm-hmm. that Tesla yes. was featured very prominently yes, in absolutely. the lyrics and in the video. Right. Um, so it's kind of that very a typical kind of, expression of wealth there's right. a beautiful house yes. jewelry yeah then a tesla car yes so, uh have you met elon musk i that is a bucket <laughs> list item for me to meet elon yeah so i have yet to meet him i have yet to meet him maybe he needs super phone yeah i think everyone does so yeah, yeah. i think uh, i think our pathways will definitely cross and when they do i think we will have a very very insightful conversation about the the pros and the challenges of actually having that kind of insight on your own personal data set. Because I, I do believe that it's pretty striking that Apple and Verizon do actually have all this data on all of our conversations. And for whatever reason, it has yet to be surfaced to all of us. Mm-hmm. At Superphone, it will all be surfaced from the first text that you send to anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, maybe that brings into question, are we ready as... A culture are we ready as a species to have that kind of insight into who messages who more who contacts who more uh who responds fastest i i think it's going to be helpful but i i also believe it will definitely also create a new set of challenges for us to overcome and um so on the creative side are you working on a new album i'm always 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 working on music i have a new single which will happen this summer it's called run it back everything that i write is always inspired by reality and uh the life that i'm living so uh the mzrt album which was released privately to my fan base was largely based on uh, my journey as a startup entrepreneur so with lyrics like seed rounds bank deals you don't get the wire that it ain't real you know T. Walker raised 8 mil, but he's a Prius driver. You can't tell. Stealth mode. <laughs> real grind. Real value in real time. Real problems need real minds. It's real biz. I'm finna build mine. So you have lyrics like that yeah. in, the, in, in the record because they were reflecting what I was living. And so Run It Back uh, is, is a record that uh, basically, you know, is, uh, is inspired by the romantic side that all of us have that uh, it says, you know, I never, you know, I never meant to do you like that. Maybe we should run it back. Mm-hmm. I did some things. We did some things. I know we probably regret. Maybe we should run it back. Cause I never meant to hurt you. Maybe we should run it back. We got issues we need to work through. Maybe we should run it back. I don't know if it's ever good to run it back, but uh, it makes for a great song. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned your last album. Yes. MZRT. Yes. Mozart. Yes. Um, and it's pretty innovative with that. That you. Is it true that you did it? You didn't um, put it on iTunes at all. You no. only sold it directly, directly to your fans. Yes, and it was like one hundred twenty dollars for the Renegades Club. So yeah, how did you yeah, arrive yeah. at this pricing, and how did you arrive at this model? How did you make that decision to forego something like iTunes yeah. distribution? Yeah, I think uh, for my future releases, I, it will be discoverable, just because I want. Uh, I, I like the added convenience of if someone wants to listen to my song, they can find it on all the. Yeah. streaming platforms um but it was a great uh it was a great experiment to actually have a closed sort of dark social release mm-hmm. and uh it was very very lucrative 
it, it, it performed extremely well, for, at least financially, versus my other albums. My most successful album release that I've ever made, including all of my major label releases. Mm-hmm. And um, in addition to that, beyond the money, I actually now have a direct relationship with all the people that really still care about the music I'm making. Mm-hmm. And the pricing model was really pricing based on access. So there was a $5,000 version of my album that allowed people to you know, fly, have a private jet ride with me. It's on Forbes, Ryan Leslie, 5,000 albums. If you Google it, Forbes wrote an article about how we sold out. It was only four available. Yeah. But I took them all up on a, a you know, on, on on one of the one of the planes awesome. that I chartered, and uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's uh, it was an access based model. Mm-hmm. So if you just wanted the music, it was mm-hmm. you know a dollar a month. But if you wanted to you know be on the phone or you wanted deeper access, you you made an exchange of uh, of money for time. Mm-hmm. I think we do that anyway, right? So it was uh, really it mirrored. It mirrored what we already do, I think, in life. Yeah. Have Have you been following this startup, uh, P- Patreon? Uh, Patreon, Patreon, of Patreon, course. Yeah. Yes, of course. And uh, I had early conversations with Jack Conti. Uh, I love what they've done. I love what they've done. I love the validation around. I think for them, they're much more akin and aligned to this thousand true fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing it at scale. And for me, I believe that we're at Superphone, we're tackling a much greater challenge so on the surface it may seem like a fan texture but uh when you really dig beyond the surface you realize that we're mostly interested in solving the the inherent communication inefficiency that we all experience Mm -hmm. and so when we look at 5g and and the connectivity that it's going to bring and the reduction of latency we want to make sure that uh you're communicating at the speed at which you actually can, mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, sort of shuffling around and searching around with a flashlight to figure out who <laughs> you should talk to every day. Yeah. You should just know, yeah. and your phone should tell you. Yeah. Well, so looking to the future, kind of to close out. Right. Um, so what are the key next steps for you for, for Superphone? Are you yeah. looking to hire any particular yes. roles? Yes, yes. Um, any key partnerships if you yes. talk a little bit about that? Yes, yes. So we touched on it before. Mm-hmm. We're very, very excited about uh, Twilio's integration with WhatsApp, which allows us to be global on a free messaging protocol. Mm-hmm. Whereas right now, SMS, you know, I'm getting some messages from my talk earlier where people were saying, like, hey, it's SMS. It's causing me, costing me to text you. Mm-hmm. And so when we can get on those instant message protocols that are free, that's going to change our business significantly, and uh, it will change the it will change the number of people that actually can use Superphone. Right mm-hmm. now, I believe that there are some barriers to entry. You need to get another phone number. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with green texts uh, as opposed to iMessage. Uh, you uh, you're restricted from group conversations. The red receipts and typing indicators. These are all functions of SMS that you know have existed for however long that uh, we're very excited about these new instant messaging protocols being integrated in Superphone. And um, we're also very, very excited about the retail sales persona. So the ability for 
brands like Chanel, Gucci, Home Depot, Best Buy, Pottery Barn, Restoration Hardware, Crate and Barrel, who are selling big ticket items and need to have a high touch relationship with their customers to actually be able to enable them with an intelligent text messaging tool to reach customers where they are, to get better urgency, shorter response time, and get to success as quickly as possible. We're very excited about that. But in the long term, I mean, the moonshot is to actually make this concept of success at the speed of communication. The moonshot is to make that concept uh, a reality for everyone who has a cell phone. And according to the statistics, more people have cell phones than toothbrushes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the state of our world. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us yes. buying all these insights yes and and, it, and and for anyone that wants to stay in touch like i said mm -hmm. i have the url textryan.com leave your number it's my real cell phone number that will text you back and i'd love to talk about how we can work together yeah. to provide the value of the most efficient intelligent communication to everyone because we all are going to need it thank you thanks heidi Buzz.